0: Alrighty, well, good morning, Grace Community Church. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Dan, and I have the privilege of serving as youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. And I'm glad you guys blew in this morning. It's quite a win going on, and uh, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, Well, so many months ago, uh, I received a phone call, and I was a pastor on call, and uh, it was from a young man, and uh, he just wanted to to chat. And so I told him who I was, and so we're talking on the phone. Then he forgot. Uh, who he was talking to. He's like, hey, who are you again? And I say, hey, I'm Pastor Dan, I'm the youth pastor. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You're the short pastor. Yeah, you're the short one. And I thought to myself, "Well, am I really the, the short pastor? You know." And so, uh, so many months ago, Pastor John and I we actually measured ourselves to see uh, who was who was taller. And believe it or not, he uh, John or Ch- Pastor John, or children's pastor, he has me by a full inch. And so, I am the short pastor here at Grace Community yeah. Church. And so, I was thinking this week. I was kind of preparing a sermon. I was thinking, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter twelve talks about that. Uh, we're a body, right? And every part of the body is important. There's different gifts, different talents that everybody has. Uh, I got the short end of the stick, you know, when it comes to height as far as the pastoral staff. Maybe there's something else that God's given me that I can kind of bring to the table. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Maybe I got it. Maybe, just maybe, I'm the good-looking pastor on staff at Grace Community <laughs> Church. I don't know why you laughed. That doesn't make any, that, I, that's, that's hurtful. And so I decided to take a poll. I decided to take a poll. I I called up a good friend of mine. If you've been around here on Mother's Day, uh, he's an announcer friend of mine. He's also a statistician. And uh, we got some footage, and we actually talked with people to see who the best-looking pastor on staff at Grace Community Church is. You don't believe me? Well, check out this video. I'm here with my good friend Georgia Basin. Georgia, a quick question for you off the cuff. Who's the best looking pastor at Grace Community Church? It's gotta be you, Dan. You hear that? It's gotta be me. <laughs> I'm here with my good friend Josh. Hey, Josh. It's a question. But this is a big question. Uh, who's the best looking pastor at Grace Community Church? Oh, gotta be Jeremy Bink. The hair. You can't beat the hair. Come on. Gotta love it. It's beautiful. It is it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hi, I'm here with my good friend Jeremy. Jeremy, we got a big question for you. Uh, a big pulse going around. Who is the best-looking pastor at Grace Community Church? Well, I'd have to say it's Pastor Jim. He makes old look great. He makes old look great. I'm here with my Italian friend Max. Hey, Max, quick question for you. Who's the best-looking pastor at Grace Community Church? Well, uh, I know Jeremy's got those skinny jeans, but I'm going to have to go with the ginger. Let's say John Rao. Whoa, Johnny! you yeah, uh, I'm here with Ellie Ralk. Uh Her dad is Pastor John. So we got a quick question for you, Ellie. Who is the best-looking pastor on staff here at Grace Community Church? Um, I gotta say Pastor Mike, but only when he shaves. Like, it's not no-shave December. I'm here with my good friend Joel. Hey Joel, who's the best-looking pastor at Grace Community Church? i got to say Jeremy Bean. I mean, something about those long, luscious, you know, flowing hair that he's got. It's just immaculate, dude. It's just awesome. It is very luscious. i got to say that. (laughs) Luscious. (laughs) I'm here with Pastor John. Uh, You might have heard of him. Uh, Pastor John, real quick question. Uh, Who's the best-looking pastor at the Quay's Community Church? Oh, that's an easy one. That's Pastor Daniel Cosentino. He's got a mustache like no other. Wow. Alright, so I'm here with my good friend Bella. Hey, Bella, I got a quick question for you. Uh, who is the best looking pastor at Grace Community Church? You. I, I don't know who you're talking about. Pastor who? Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan's the best looking pastor at Grace Community Church! Alright! Wow. Just so you know, there's no bias there. It wasn't scripted at all, you know. The, the funny thing is, is uh, when I came here uh, this Sunday morning, uh, this music stand was down like halfway. And there's a, there a note that said, you know, this is like, you know, the size for the shortest pastor on staff. And so that's a title I don't think I'll ever... Quite fully uh, lived down, but as you can tell, we like to have fun here at Grace Community Church. Well, we've been doing this new uh, uh, lesson series entitled "Resolutions" and uh, talking about uh, different resolutions. Pastor Jim did a phenomenal job last Sunday uh, talking about uh, physical resolutions. How we can make sure uh, our bodies physically fit that way God can use it uh, for what He intends our bodies to be used for and, and the work that He has uh, for us. We're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual resolutions uh, today, but before we get into there, I'm just curious um who here and let's raise a hands uh, no judgment Who actually made a New Year's resolution? Put your hand up if you actually made a New Year's resolution. Okay, a number of you guys. Well, I went online statistically. 45% of Americans in the United States uh, make a New Year's resolution, but only 8% of them ever fulfill their New Year's resolution. One in three quit by the end of January. But interestingly enough, uh, those who make a resolution, uh, make an explicit goal, are 10 times more likely uh, to fulfill their goal than those who just kind of Wing it and do the best that they can. Uh, we as believers in Christ, whether you're big into New Year's resolutions or not, uh, we we need to be resolute people, right? Uh, we need to be committed people. We need to be committed people uh, to Jesus and stand for what Jesus stands for. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we can do that and uh, make some spiritual resolutions. Here's a question: I want you to think about. Uh, did you grow spiritually in 2015? Was there spiritual growth in your life within the last year? If you're thinking to yourself, I I, I can't think of any ways. Well, maybe uh, your spiritual growth is stunted. Uh, maybe you need to kind of kickstart it into high gear. And 2016 is the perfect year uh, for you to move and to grow spiritually. As like any type of resolution or any type of goals or concern, uh, inspiration and motivation is fleeting, but it's discipline and drive that's going to make the difference when it's all said and done. Let me give an illustration on that. I don't know about you, but I enjoy driving. And when I'm driving, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either praying or I'm listening to music. And, uh, every now and then when I'm listening to music and the radio comes on, uh, my song will come on. It's my jam okay? And it's the song that pumps you up. You might have one of those songs, your jam. I'm getting some weird looks out there. Don't pretend that you don't have this. I know you guys have a jam song. And when your song comes on and you jam, you jam, right? And you're motivated. You're inspired. You're pumped up. You pull into like your, 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 your home. You pull in your driveway. The song's not done. You got to finish your song, man. You got to get inspired. You got to get pumped up. And so you listen it to the end and then the song ends and you open up your door and the, the music's no longer playing, and you're like, huh, I'm not as pumped up as I thought I'd be. Like, this is going to be a lot harder uh, than I was expecting. Motivation, inspiration is cheap. It's the drive, it's the discipline that's going to make all the difference. And we need to develop good, godly disciplines, good, godly habits, and that will make all the difference in 2016, if you want to make 2016 uh, a year of huge spiritual growth. Well, I hope you brought your Bibles today. If you didn't bring your Bibles, let me encourage you. uh, Raise your hand our ushers will come forward. They'll place a Bible in your hand. We're going to be flipping to a lot of passages in scripture today and talk about some spiritual disciplines, some ways uh, in which we can make 2016 a great year concerning our spiritual growth. Simply raise your hand in the main link and our ushers will place a Bible in your hand. If you don't have a Bible, uh, this is our gift to you uh, from Grace Community Church. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and we're going to look at a habit, a spiritual discipline that I love to encourage you uh, to do. It'll be paramount to your spiritual walk here in 2016. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to pick it up, verses 24 and 25. Uh, if If you get it, Uh, And you turn there, let me encourage you to stand in the main and the link. And we're going to read this passage of Scripture together out loud in, in honor of God's Word. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Here we go, ready, read, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You may be seated. Here the author of Hebrews is stating, uh, one of the reasons why we need to make church a regular habit is because it spurs us on toward love and good deeds. But the church here had an issue, and it's found in the middle of that passage. Some of them had stopped meeting together, and some of them fell out of the habit of going to church. Uh, the first way you can, in which you can make 2016 the greatest spiritual growth year of your life is you need to make church a regular pattern, a regular habit. Recent polls have showed that the number one reason why people stop going to church is because they fell out of the habit of going to church. It's easy to miss one Sunday because, oh, it's snowy outside or my team lost or whatever that may be. And then that turns into two Sundays. I'm not, you know, I'm feeling like 99% but that 1% of me, I'm not feeling good. Two Sundays turns into a month. A month turns into a couple months, turns into six months, turns into a year. Number one reason why people stop going to church, they simply fell out of the habit of going to church. As a youth pastor, uh, I do my best to kind of follow uh, statistics in ways in which we can make sure our teenagers are walking with Jesus all the way through college. Now, when I was uh, a teenager, uh, 50% of teenagers, as soon as they would get uh, to college, would stop making church a regular habit, and they stop attending church regularly. Uh, recent uh, stats have come out, research has come out, 70% of teenagers who grow up in the church and they get to college, they stop making church. Church, a regular habit of their life, uh, according to this poll those those college students who were walking with Jesus and going to church regularly uh, they found out that church was re- the reason why they, they kept going to church was that church was relevant sixty five percent said church was a vital part of my relationship with god fifty eight percent said I wanted the church to help guide my decisions in everyday life. Listen to me. This is not a country club. This is not a social club. This is a church of the living God where people's lives get transformed and where you get spurred on uh, every single Sunday. Make it a pattern of your daily walk. If church is not important in your life and is not a regular pattern in your life, why would it be a regular pattern in your kid's life? Why would it be a regular pattern in your neighbor's life? If your neighbors are looking and you want to invite them to church and you're not going to church regularly, they're not going to see it as something that's really important to you. Uh, Make church a regular pattern every Sunday morning it'll make a difference. And see this is this is where the rubber beats the road. Uh, when you go on vacation and you're not here in the Goshen area, man, let me encourage you, find a Bible believing evangelical church and worship there. Uh, I have some of the greatest memories. My family would go on vacations and we would go to some, you know, different churches on a Sunday morning and we loved it. We were able to rub shoulders. We got encouraged. We got spurred on. And my, my folks were setting a pattern and saying, church is important. And we're going to be there every single Sunday morning. And it made the difference. It'll click in your kids' and your grandkids' mind. Make church a habit and a regular pattern in your life. Here's another question for you or something to think about. There are certain habits that we would never think about quitting, right? I mean, there's certain things we would never think about quitting or giving up. Uh, for instance, like, all of us probably have some type of morning routine. I find out that the older I get, you know, the more structured or the more I really kind of have to have my morning routine. If one thing gets, like, messed up, man, it's, it's, it's trouble. My grandfather was really big into having a morning routine. I lived with my grandparents, uh, when I was a junior in high school for a summer. And, uh, my, he would wake up at the same time same with everything as far as getting ready. He would eat the same food the same way. I'd actually sit at the kitchen table with my stopwatch to say, oh, you're 30 seconds off the mark. Oh, you're 20 seconds off the mark. He was such a person of routine. Make church a regular pattern of your week. There's certain things that you you wouldn't stop doing. For instance, you wouldn't stop brushing your teeth. Hopefully everyone here brushed their teeth this Sunday morning, right? It, it, it's it's not cool to not brush your teeth. Okay, it's cool to brush your teeth. Make sure you brush your teeth. Well, it's cool if you go to church. Make it a regular pattern of your life. It'll make a difference in your life. You will be encouraged. You will be spurred on. And there's so many times when you come on a Sunday morning, or I come on a Sunday morning, and I'm thinking, man, like that message was like right at me, or that 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 worship song really encouraged me, or that person said this that really helped me, you know, push me forward in my Christian walk. Make going to church a regular pattern in your life. It'll make the difference in your family's life. And let me encourage you to do that. Anytime the church doors are open on a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, anytime you can be here, let me encourage you to be here. It'll make a huge difference. Here's another spiritual resolution I'd like to challenge you to consider. Uh, As a believer in Jesus, uh, we are called to serve. Let me encourage you to turn to the book of John, John chapter 12, verse 26. Uh, John chapter 12, uh, this is where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And these are some of his Last words with the disciples. These are his marching orders. And when, when you give like your last words on earth, they're they're probably going to be fairly significant. These are some of Jesus' last words. These are significant words. These are some, these are some principles that Jesus really wants to push and to encourage his disciples to do. John chapter 12, verse 26. This is Jesus. Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Let's look at that passage a little closer. If If you serve Jesus, you're following Jesus. But flip that around. If you want to follow Jesus, you must serve Jesus. And when you're serving Jesus, he'll be with you. And not only will he be with you, but you will get honor from the Father in heaven when you serve If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a person who serves. When we serve, we are saying that we trust God's promises more than the joys of this earth. I'd rather spend time serving people, even when it's hard, than doing what I want. Man, this is so true. There are so many uh, things that are, are grabbing for our attention. Uh, when you spend, some, I'm going to spend, you know, today, and I'm going to spend some time at church, and I'm going to serve, or I'm going to be involved in this. You're saying no to your selfish nature, and yes, I'm going to make uh, God and what he wants a very valuable part of my life. I have a confession to make, okay? Confession to make. I've lived in northern Indiana now for nine years. I, I'm finally considering myself a Hoosier. I don't know what a Hoosier is, okay? I don't think anyone knows what a Hoosier is, but I'm a Hoosier, okay? And if you would have told me, as someone who grew up in south-central Pennsylvania 15, 20 years ago, that I'd be a Hoosier, you know, for nine years, and I'd be living in northern Indiana, I'd be like, yeah, right, yeah, you're out to lunch. But But when you serve God and you give him open hands, you're you're giving him permission to take you where he wants to take you. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Uh, You will meet people like you've never met. You'll develop closer relationships like you've never developed. You'll become uh, tight-knit. And eternal friends are true friends. Amen? Amen? Eternal friends are true friends. Think about that. Uh, when, when you're here on earth, uh, you, if you're lucky, you have 80 plus years on earth, but you're gonna be spending eternity with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And those are the people who you're gonna be super close with. And so when you're serving with people and you're doing ministry with people, you get tight and you develop relationships and you experience the peace of God like you've never experienced and the joy and reaching people for Jesus. Man, let me encourage you um, Make 2016 a great year of serving God and making sure that you are plugged in here at Grace Community Church. If you are struggling in life, especially with loneliness, let me encourage you to spend as much time serving as possible. Uh, when you're lonely, you basically have two options. Option number one is, is I can feel lonely and depressed, therefore I'm going to sit on the couch, which can perpetuate a feeling of loneliness and depression. It's going to be a downward cyclical cycle. Or you can gather and muster up all the energy you have and, and, and Come. And to serve, and it'll be an upward cycle as you meet people and you build relationships and you experience the peace of Jesus. Service is what qualms all ails when it comes to being lonely. Make sure you do what it takes uh, to serve. I also believe this. I believe that service is not a burden, but it is a blessing. It truly is better to give than to receive. Uh, we just came uh, from the Christmas uh, holiday time, and uh uh, hopefully, you know you're able to come and exchange some gifts. One of my favorite things is is when you give a gift, especially you give it to like someone who really appreciates it, or to a little child, and they open it up with that awe and that wonderment, and they're so excited. You're more blessed than they are, and there's that feeling of satisfaction, that feeling of joy. It, it truly is better to give than to receive. Uh, man, let's make this year a year of giving, where I'm giving my life, I'm giving my talents, my giftedness, and I'm going to give that to the Lord. Uh, Many times you might think, okay, I'm part of a fairly decent-sized congregation. I don't know how to serve. I don't know where to kind of fit in or get plugged in. Uh, all you have to do is go on our church website, gracecommunity-church.com. Uh, we have a launch page that says volunteer, jump in. We have a list of all different areas in which we need help. There's some areas that you might not even know exists in our church in which we need help, and we need your uh, your talents, your gifts. Um, and, and so let me encourage you, go on there. There's all kinds of things. Tech, parking crew, children's ministries, youth ministries, photography, a lot of things that you might not even realize that we try to do or accomplish here, and we could use you. So let me encourage you. Let's make this year a year of service. Hey, let's make church a regular pattern, right? Let's make sure that this is a year of service at Grace Community Church, and let's make sure that this is a year where we spend daily time reading God's word. Turn with the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 19, and... uh as you're turning there, Psalm 19 is a great chapter. It talks about how we can know God. Uh, the early, uh, early portion of that scripture talks about we can know God because he's creator. We can know him through his creation. and uh, The later portion talks how we can know God. And we can know God more intimately and more deeply through his word. Psalm chapter 19, verse 10 says this. They, which is, are the words of God, scripture scripture is more precious than gold than much pure gold they are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb so God's word is more precious than gold it is valuable it is sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb it tastes good to your soul I have a quick question for you Uh, how many of you guys average at least two to three meals a day Hopefully you guys are doing that, right? I'm eating like two to three, meal, at least two to three meals a day, right? Can you imagine if you, if you, if our physical and spiritual health are, are, are both equally important, the amount of time that you stuff your face, and you calculate that thirty minutes to an hour, if you would spend at least that same amount of time reading God's word and spending time uh, uh, meditating on Him and His principles, can you imagine how our lives would be changed? It's it's easy. I mean, I love food, man, but God's word, it's it's more. It, It's more, it tastes better uh, than honey and the honeycomb. Uh, I've got a good friend, and he collects Bibles. Uh, He's passionate about God's Word. He's passionate uh, about uh, the Word of God. He collects these Bibles. It's really humbling to go into this area that he has where he has all his collected Bibles. He has Bibles from different centuries, from different countries. He has this one Bible, and every time I go there, I get teary-eyed when I look at it. Uh, It's a Bible that was uh, written in uh, Great Britain. It's from a time period where uh, believers in Jesus are being persecuted. Uh, this Bible is well-loved. It is tattered, it is torn, and there's actually splotches of blood that are around the outside of this, the pages of Scripture. And I think to myself, we live in America where we have God's Word at any time we want. We can pull our phone up and we can get it instantly. Uh, this Bible was dear to this person. They were able to cling to it. It, it, it was sweeter than honey. It, it provided their hope is God's word sweeter than honey? Is it valuable to you? Let's make this a year in which we are spiritually resolute to, to, to go after and hunger after God's word. The hardest part about doing that is if you look at uh, you know a Bible, it's, it's a pretty decent-sized book. You're like, how am I, where do I start? What do I do? There's all kinds of Bible apps you can get on your phone, uh, but let me encourage you. Did you know that if you read a little over three chapters in the Bible a day for a year, you'll have read the entire Bible in a year? Just a little over three chapters. If you read 10 chapters a day, you'll have read your Bible in 120 days. I believe this. I don't think any of us will get to heaven and we will have read our Bibles too much. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine uh, standing before Jesus and he, he looks at you and he says, well, I think you read your Bible too much. That's not going to happen, right? I don't think you can, we, we can ever read our Bibles too much. Do you hunger and thirst after God's word? Is it valuable? Is it sweeter than honeycomb to you? Uh, one of the greatest things I lo- encourage you to do as a family, uh, try to spend some time, whatever that looks like, even if it's a couple minutes, to sit together and to read God's word. Uh, this is something that was very prevalent so many decades ago, but it's harder to find now. Uh, my family, we try to meet together our time was breakfast. So my father would read. We had a little, uh, it's called a daily bread. We'd read this little devotional thought. And then we'd pray together as a family. In the evenings when we could, we had Bible time. We just called a Bible time. And uh, we would read uh, scripture together. A lot of times we'd go through Old Testament books. And man, that brings, those narratives bring things to life in little kids. And you can learn biblical principles through that. What happened is that our neighbor started coming along as well. So we started inviting our neighbor to be part of our family Bible time. Within a few years, he came to know Jesus. If a family's on mission, and they're reading scripture together, man, God can do some pretty powerful things. Let me encourage you to do that as a family. Find a time. If it's morning, five or ten minutes at evening. It doesn't have to be long. It be five or ten verses. Uh, go through scripture together. Uh, pick some maybe Old Testament uh, passages in the Bible um, that talk, you know, have a good storyline. Man, that will engage kids. You can learn all kinds of cool principles. We read a verse, we discuss it, and then at the end we pray. Man, I i, I developed an appreciation and a knowledge and a hunger for God's word through that. I believe this. Our church, uh, we want people to be leaders. You might hear that a lot, you know, talking about, uh, hey, we, we emphasize leadership. I believe this. All readers are not leaders, but all leaders are readers. That's a tongue twister. All readers are not leaders, but all leaders are readers. Simply put, if you're, if you're reading, doesn't mean you're not necessarily leading people, but if you're leading people, I can guarantee you that you're reading, If you want to be a spiritual leader of your home, you have to be spiritually reading God's Word. It has to happen. There's no other way uh, possible. You, You can't lead without inundating yourself and bathing yourself in God's Word and learning God's Word and memorizing and meditating God's Word. It has to happen. If you don't like reading, do it on audio. There's so many different ways in which you can bathe yourself in God's Word. If you want to make 2016 a big year of spiritual growth, let me encourage you. Make, get a Bible app. Spend as much time reading God's word. Here's another quick thing I'd like to encourage you to do. Uh, start a journal. Maybe create a prayer journal. There are many times in Scripture when God uh, commands his prophets to write things down and give specific reasons for it. Habakkuk two, 2 says, The Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Here's the cool thing. God tells us to write, you know, write specific things down. A, so that we'll remember it. But B, in that passage, it talks about so that a herald may run with it. You're leaving footprints for your kids and the next generation. And so one day you'll be able to give a prayer journal or some type of, uh, of, of book that you've been writing in, and your kids and your grandkids will get to see what you've been praying for. They'll get to see that you are a person committed to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the impact that'll have? They'll see the prayers that you prayed impacting their life. Man, let me encourage you. Start some type of journal. Uh, my journal, I just write. Uh, I'm trying to read through the Bible in a year. So I just write. I have one section where I'm just writing. Um, I'm writing where I'm at. You know, I re- I'm going through Jeremiah right now, so I read these chapters. My other part of, of, of uh, my notebook, I have uh, my prayer journal. And I have specific things that I pray for every day. I have other things I pray for weekly, like Monday. I'm praying for these countries. And Tuesday, I'm praying for these people. Man, it has been so good for me as I look back and see, wow. God's worked in a lot of different ways. It's provided clarity. It's provided direction. Man, maybe that's something you could do to make 2016 a year that is spiritually beneficial. It's the best year spiritually for you. Here's here's another one. Make, Make this year a year that you are more frugal this year. Have you noticed in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread? It doesn't say weekly bread. It doesn't say monthly bread. It says daily bread. The reason being is because God wants us to rely upon him and daily for our sustenance and our ultimately our reliance upon him. Make sure you do your best this year to live within your means. Do not spend more money than you make. Do your best to not go into debt for things that depreciate. At the end of the day, you'll have nothing to show for them. And that's pretty easy to do, right? It's pretty easy to go to the convenience store, slide your card. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this pop and a Reese's peanut butter cup, and I'm going to eat this, and then I have nothing to show for it, then I'm paying for it a month or two down the road. Uh, make sure that you are good stewards with the money that God has given us. Uh, and here's the, here's the cool thing about that. Um, if, we're, if we're generous in that, God not only will God bless it, but it'll, it'll allow us to do things for him um, that he wants us to do. For instance, if our physical bodies um, are not in shape or in a line that that we need them or up to par, if God has a specific mission trip or something he wants us to do, but we can't do it because we've made poor physical life choices, man, how terrible is that? The same comes with our money. If God has specific mission trips or things he wants us to give to or to go to, and we're not in a position where we can financially do that, Man, how can you imagine how awful that is if God has something like that for us? But but we haven't been good stewards with God's money? Let me encourage you to do that. Here, here's one thing uh, that I'd encourage you, um uh, want to encourage you to do. Um, when you are frugal, or a reminder, when you are frugal, you'll be able to invest yourself into what matters most. At the end of the day, it's people that matter. And so it, if you're a good steward you'll have more to be able to generously give you'll have more time to invest in people uh, I've been to a number of different funerals officiated a number of different, different funerals uh, I, I, I don't hear people talk about why they are so touched by a person because they had so much wealth or so many things they're touched or impacted by people because they spent relational time and invested into their life use your money in such a way in which will free you up to go where God calls you to go uh, one way you can do this, just one quick example. Uh, my family did the best we could not to go into debt for vehicles. Because as soon as you drive that car off the lot, what happens? it's worth like a couple thousand bucks less. And so my family growing up, we had a 1988 Reliant K Plymouth Station Wagon and we had this vehicle, it was a junker car, we called it the subpar car. That was the name for it. We're taking the subpar car out. you know, And we would travel all over the place. We'd go on vacations and go out east and travel all over the place and we would fit like six people in the subpar car. That's when you could put like three people in the front so as my dad's driving, my little brother, brother 12 years younger than me stuck in the middle and I'm stuck next to him. Man, we have some, great stories uh, to share from those times. Breaking down, or the laughter, or the fun, or how God's provided for us. Uh, Man, when you live within your means, you allow God to move you uh, where he wants you to go. You will have an opportunity to be more generous and you'll have some pretty incredible stories to share from it as well. Make 2016 a great year um, of financial stability. And our church offers all kinds of things like financial peace university and some of that type of stuff. We'd love for you to kind of be a part of that. Make it a year in which you're frugal for him. Here's one. There's all kinds of different spiritual resolutions. Uh, I, um, this one I think is huge, especially coming after the Christmas and holiday season. Uh, the area is: Are you getting enough solitude and quiet time to focus on God? Do you know that quiet and solitude, dialoguing with God, is actually a spiritual discipline? It's, it's an area where we need to be spiritually resolute. Uh, let me encourage you to turn to First Kings chapter nineteen. If you don't believe me, turn to First Kings chapter nineteen. and We're going to be picking it up in verse eleven. First Kings chapter nineteen. As you're turning there, let me give you a little background information. What's happened? I love this is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. It happens with a prophet. His name is Elijah. I like Elijah. He's a guy who is who he is. First Kings chapter 18, Elijah goes up against eight hundred and fifty false prophets and just him. It's eight hundred and fifty to one, and they're basically testing whose God is the real God? Is it this false God Baal or is it the real God Yahweh? Guess who wins? Elijah, eight hundred and fifty to one. The one wins because you, Pascali, because the majority. He wins. After that, he goes up on this mountain. He prays for rain. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. What happens? It starts to rain. Then because you know the rain happens, if it's rain for three and a half years and it kinda rains on a mountain, things are gonna get kinda muddy or all kind so God gives him supernatural strength to run past all of that and to beat the king to where he's going and the king's riding on horses, so he gets supernatural strength to run faster than horses. So here you have a guy, eight hundred and fifty to one, wins. Praise for rain, it rains. Runs faster than horses. God works in him mightily. He goes back to his home, his hometown, and he gets uh, afraid of the little wicked witch of the north, a lady named Jezebel. Jezebel wants to kill him. She's not happy that he kind of showed up her husband and these false prophets. So what does Elijah do? You think a guy who just took on eight hundred fifty dudes is gonna, you know, come out on top here? He runs away and he hides and he runs to the desert, and he throws a pity party, and he says, God, I can't take this anymore. Like I'm trying to do all these things for you, and I'm struggling. And it shows, man, his vulnerability. God works so incredibly through him, and yet he still had areas in which he doubted or had lapses. And so he goes, and he talks to God in the quiet, and we're going to see how God responds to Elijah. First Kings chapter 19, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. The Lord said this, He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord or presence of me, for I am about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So God wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Surely he'd be in an earthquake. That's pretty powerful. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. After the earthquake came a fire. Man, that's, whew. He's got to be in fire, right? But the Lord was not in the fire. And the Lord came. How did he come? In the, and after the fire came, what is it? A gentle whisper. God came through a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave, Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Drop down to verse 18. God gives him some commands. He says, hey, even though you're lonely, even though you think you're the only one, I have reserved, verse 18, 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. God's saying this, no matter how lonely you get, no matter if you think you're the only one, There are a lot of people, there's 7,000 people here in Israel who are following after me. And not only that, he will speak to you and he will speak to you sometimes in a whisper. I believe this, God speaks the loudest during the quietest of times. And so my question to you is, are you spending time, quiet time, or designating time, solitude, to dialogue with God? That's one reason why I love fishing. There's a lot of reasons why I enjoy fishing, but the greatest reason I enjoy fishing its where I was able to finally get away and really communicate and connect with God. And so I'll get on a boat in the middle of some body of water and there's times when I'm audibly talking with God uh, and asking him, pleading with him, crying out to him and, and dialogue with him. And I, I've learned to just love solitude. We get so busy in life Sometimes we're so busy, especially the holiday season, we can forget to spend time, some quiet time, dialoguing with our Lord and Savior. It can make all the difference in your 2016 to make sure you're spending some quiet time with him. I want to give you guys some things to think about. I'm going to share something, but I'm going to give you some time. You're going to have a couple minutes here soon. You're going to have an opportunity to reflect Maybe to dialogue with God and write down on your sermon notes a couple areas, a couple goals that you have for this 2016 year that's going to help you out spiritually. Trust me, it's the, maybe the greatest gift I can give you. I have a six-week-old. Two minutes is an eternity, okay, of quiet. I'm going to give you here soon two minutes of quiet to reflect, to think, to dialogue with God and come up with a couple spiritual goals in which you're going to make this year the greatest spiritual faith journey that you've had this year. You're going to make it happen. And so I want to encourage you. Let me give you a couple of pointers when it comes to making goals, okay? I want you guys to develop SMART goals. When I was in high school, um, if you did something stupid, we said that was dumb. If you did something really dumb, we said that's D-U-M dumb, okay? I don't want you to be D-U-M dumb. I want you to be SMART, so we're going to have some SMART goals, okay? So it's an acronym, SMART. Make sure your goals are specific. Have specific goals. Don't make them ambiguous. Um, don't make them vague. Make sure you have uh, very uh, specific goals in mind. Make sure they're measurable. That way you can know if you have achieved it or not. Make sure your goal is, is, is measurable. I'm going to do this in two months, five months, whatever it may be. Make sure it's attainable. Uh, don't think that you're going to read the entire Bible today. Your eyes will pop out. Don't do that, okay? But have a specific plan in place where you can make that happen. Make sure they're relevant, okay? Uh, as I'm talking, what, what's, what's God laying on your heart? Maybe there's an area that you're just tripping up on. It's spending time in the Word. It's I need to get plugged in and serve. It's I need to spend some more quiet time with God. What, what's, what's really hitting home, man? Like, I want this to impact your heart and your soul. The T is time bound. Make sure there's a specific time, one month, three months, six months, whatever. That way you can know if you've accomplished your goal. Uh, the next couple of minutes is designated to you. You're going to have an opportunity to pray Reflect, but I want you to come up with between one and three goals in which you're gonna make twenty sixteen the best spiritual year possible in which you can be as focused and laser sharp for God as you can. It's one of the greatest gifts I can give you is two minutes of quiet reflective time. Okay? I mean encourage you pull out your sermon notes these next two minutes are for you to write those goals down and reflect. Ready? Go. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so good to be here today. Uh, help us to be a people that spends time reflecting and evaluating how, how we're doing. Uh, may 2016 be the greatest year of spiritual growth uh, that everyone here sees. May we walk uh, by faith, not by sight. God, I pray that uh, you would help us to be resolute believers in you, Uh, that the things that are mentioned here, uh, that you'd bring them to life, that you would give us the desire, the passion to do that. Uh, Corporately, uh, may this year uh, be an incredible year. All kinds of uh, big things are on the horizon here for our church. And so I just pray that uh, you will bless those things. Uh, Bless... Uh, bless these goals, Uh, bless the time we're reflecting upon you, and help us to do that. Make sure that it's part uh, of our daily uh, discipline. Uh, Be in your word, and make church a regular habit, and just to be committed people to you. Uh, We might not see results right away, but we'll see some big-time results in all of eternity. And Help us to keep that in mind. Uh, We love you and thank you, and we praise things in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.